when Lisa and I got married, we were uh, right out of uh, college, and we decided to wait a little bit to have kids, and I was arrogant and thought that you could just have kids whenever you wanted and didn't realize that some people, t- it takes a long time to have kids, you know, and uh, some, kids, some people don't have kids at all, and so I didn't realize that, and so we had this big plan and all this kind of stuff, but you can't go by those plans. God has a different uh, agenda, right? And so we, we ended up um, uh, deciding, okay, now's the time or whatever. And I remember when Lisa told me that she was pregnant and I literally, I thought my life was over. Like, like I didn't really think it was gonna happen. Like I, I was young, okay, I was stupid. And so when she told me she was pregnant, I was like, I started thinking about all the things that were gonna change. And I started thinking, oh my gosh, you know, because we used to go, like in the weekend, you just go camping or do whatever you want. It's just the two of you. You do whatever you want. And so we started thinking about what would happen when you have a kid. And then, you know, as you kind of go along and the, the, the people find out you're pregnant and then they ask you, you know, how long is it going to, you know, when's the baby due? When's the baby due? When's the baby due? And, uh, you know, you, you, it, the thing is the baby's coming. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, and, and, and sometimes there's tragedy, but, a full-term baby, if it's coming, it's coming, and there's no, nothing you can do. And so as you get closer, you begin to kind of adjust your life and prepare for this, this human being that's coming. And so you, you, uh, people start adjusting their questions, like, do you have names yet? You know, do you have, uh, um, you know, is it a, do you know if it's going to be a boy or a girl? Have you gotten the room ready? And all this kind of stuff. And so during that process, you're just kind of going, man, it's going to be weird. It was the two of us, and now there's going to be three of us, and now I got to get a room ready. And, and so then, then uh, you know, the baby gets farther along and farther along, and then the, the mom goes through this thing called nesting, which is just called bossy. And <laughs> it's just like a, I mean, that's the clinical term from my perspective. It's like, you know, move this here and go buy that and, cre- you know, have you ever made anything from Ikea? Like, you know, make the cr- go here, make the crib. It's like, what? Can, uh, the baby can sleep on the ground. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it's not going to go anywhere. It has its own room, right? The baby just rolling around, you know. It's a, what's a big deal, right? So, so you get there. And I remember thinking, and this was, and again, you guys are going to hate me for this, but I'm just immature and stupid. So we, we, we get this room prepared, uh, for Audrey's bedroom, and so we had to paint it, you know, and um, we didn't know whether it was going to be a boy or a girl, so we were painting it, uh, and Lisa walks in, she's like, so when do you think the room's going to be done, and I couldn't see her because I was painting, you know, and so I, I remember, okay, so just bear with me, so I'm thinking to myself, well, it would go a lot faster if you help me, right, okay, yeah, I know, settle down, okay, <laughs> golly, you Look, okay, I told you I was young and stupid. So, so I'm painting, and that thought crosses my mind, and I look over, and she's like out to here. I mean, you could like rest a TV dinner on top of that thing. And I remember I had to start, I look over, I'm like, she can't help me. Now I got to start doing all these things myself. Like everything was just changing. My life was changing. Because the thing is, here, listen, that baby was coming and there was nothing I was going to do to stop it. There was a date picked out. We didn't know when the date, you know, you get close. You know, when's the baby due in May, you know, May 4th or whatever. And it can be two weeks after, two weeks before. But that baby was coming. 
So I realized, man, now she can't help me paint. You know, now, you know, and you know, my life's over. We can't. And you start thinking, you know, you'd plan for a vacation. It's like, hey, so what are we going to do this summer? I don't know. We're going to have the baby. And you're like, man, that baby. God, right? Because I'm, I'm just, a, I'm a baby myself. I'm just an idiot. So we go through that. And so then we go through this thing called uh, a Lamaze class. Okay. And so basically, <clears throat> men, let me just, let me just. So a Lamaze class for the guy, it, it's basically where you're ridiculed for four hours. Like, because all the women have all their inside stuff, and then they, like, look at you like, hey, you don't know anything, you know? And so all the guys just kind of sit in the corner, and they, they're like, man, I can't wait for this to be over. And you go through all this stuff, and they teach you how to hee-hee and hoo-hoo, and, like, that's how you breathe, apparently, when you're having a baby. And so the guys are like, hoo-hoo and hee-hee, and the, the, no, it's hee-hee, hoo-hoo, you know? Ha-ha, you don't know what you're doing. And so the, the guys are trying to figure it all out, and the girls are mocking them. And so then you get into this, like, okay, let's go through the birthing process. And so you got to sit there and pretend the baby's coming, and there's no baby coming. And, you know, you squeeze her hand. And, and so you get ridiculed. You go through four hours of that, okay, and then you're ready to go. You know what it's like to have a baby, apparently. And I'm, I faked, a f- you know, fainting because I knew I was going to do that. And, you know, I just... We, we went over everything. And so then you get home and you're prepared. You got a name pretty much picked out. You got the room painted. You, you know, you, you're, you're like Marcus Welby, MD. You know where all the machines are because you went to Lamaz. And then the, your wife has a contraction. And at first, they're what they call Braxton Hicks. You guys you know, you know what, what that, okay? Um, founded by John Braxton Hicks in 1817. Just thought I'd let you know. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And they're, they're false labor pains. So you get one and you think, oh my goodness, and then one doesn't come for a few more days. But then a real labor pain hits. And what do you do? You go, oh, it's just Braxton Hicks. You've had tons of these. Half hour later, another one. Half hour later, another one. And usually you're at work in like the busiest season of the year. And that's when your wife says, I think it's time. And you're like, oh, no, it ain't. You're going to hold that baby. But here's the thing. The baby's coming. There's nothing you're going to do about it. The baby's coming. It's on its own time schedule. And so, you, you, so all of a sudden, it's half an hour. And then you got, you, know, you got the bags packed. You're ready to go. And then all of a sudden, it's every 20 minutes. And then every 15 minutes. And you're driving there. And it's, is it he, he, who, who, or who, who, he? And you're trying to remember everything. And you're freaking out, and you're crazy, and it gets in there. And, and you, get, you get to contractions at about five minutes apart. And everything about Lamaze goes flying out the window. <laughs> Complete and utter use. It doesn't help you because you're telling your wife, pick a focal point, honey. And she grabs you. <laughs> and she pulls you right in. And she's just like, you're going to be my focal point. <laughs> right? And you're just sitting there, and you're like, man, they did not cover this in Lama's class, man. Right? It's just, it's just crazy, because the baby's coming. There's nothing you're going to do about it. This is where we find Jesus and the disciples in Matthew chapter 24. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 24, and, and then I want you to 
uh, if you're real fancy, go to 2 Peter chapter 3 and kind of just stick your finger in the Bible there because we're going to spend some time in that section of Scripture. What's happened here is that Jesus has just berated the Pharisees. He's just gone off on them. And, and he said, woe to you. And he just starts going over their religion. And we talked last week about how, man, they just valued the wrong kingdom. They valued what people thought rather than what God thought. And so Jesus was so sensitive to this, he just lambasted them. And so as he was leaving the temple, the disciples said, you know, isn't the temple cool with all these buildings and stuff? And Jesus says, I'm going to tell you something. Not one stone is going to be laid on top of another. This temple is going to be destroyed. And then they took a little walk and they went up the Mount of Olives. And that's where we find them right now. Jesus is going to teach a Lamaze class of the second coming. This is what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. And we're, we're going to start in uh, chapter 24, uh, starting in verse uh, 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when this will happen. They're talking about the destruction of the temple. <clears throat> and, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? See, now they... They knew he was the Messiah, but they had a completely wrong interpretation of how it was going to go down, okay? I went to Lamaze class. I understood everything, but what took place was entirely different than what I saw in that class. And so Jesus begins to go through them. And if we just would quickly jump uh, to verse 7, he goes in and he says, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now listen, all these are the beginning of birth pains. He's saying, this is what it's going to feel like when Jesus comes again. And guess what, guys? He's coming. And there's no way you're going to stop him. There's no way you can speed it up. There's no way you can slow it down. Jesus, my Lord, is coming back again and this is what he's talking about he's trying to explain to them what it's going to be like in kind of the best way he can but if you've never experienced it it's kind of hard to understand it and so he says when these birth pains start it's going to get even worse and he goes on in verse 9 you'll be handed over persecuted and put to death and you'll be hated by all the nations because of me and at that time you'll turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people can you imagine what they're going through here because they 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 understood from ezekiel and daniel and isaiah and hezekiah they understood jeremiah they understood that the messiah was going to come and he was going to bring his kingdom and so all of a sudden, they're being told, no, it's going to go down radically different than the way you think. You can imagine, they must be going, wait, what? We asked you when you were going to come, like, what was, now, they asked a, a twofold question. They asked, one, when would this will happen, and what will be the sign? Okay? So what happened was, Jesus gave is giving two prophecies. This is so important for us to understand. What a lot of prophets did in the Old Testament is they gave two prophecies. One that would come true soon, and relatively soon, you know, 50, sometimes 100, 150 years, you know, whatever. And then one that was for later. Isaiah did it, Jeremiah did it, Ezekiel did it, Daniel did it. Okay, they all gave kind of a, a, a short-term prophecy and then a long-term prophecy and this is what jesus did he said short term 
The, the, the temple's going to be wiped out. No stone's going to be left on top of another. That happened in 70 AD. The Romans completely wiped out the temple. Okay? What he's talking about now is something that's going to happen in the future. Okay? Now, here's the thing I want us to understand because we're going to try and go through the entire end times in 20 more minutes. Okay? And, and so here, here's what I want us to understand. You can, you can read books and books and blogs and emails. You can go on the internet. You can try to figure out the end times. Okay? And believe me, I've read many people who are as confident as the day is long that they've got it figured out. Here, here's the deal. You don't know Jack, okay? I don't know, I don't know the time. I don't know, I don't know anything. Now, I think I've got an idea, but here's the point. He's coming. There's no dispute. He is coming. And whether you got it all together, all figured out, whether you got all your dots and T's all figured out. He is coming. And so, like, for example, when I was a, a kid, I told you last week that my parents watched, um, like, PTL and TBN and, um, why do they all have three letters? I don't know, but, um, but then he, he, they watched the 700 Club with Pat Robertson. I remember when I was a kid, I was a, about a freshman in high school, I remember seeing this graphic. I can remember it perfectly. Pat Robertson is talking, and he said, he, he shows Russia, and, and then all these tanks stacked on top of each other. And that was how many thousands of tanks Russia has. And then he showed America. And like our tanks only went up to here. And he was like, Russia's the bear from the north in, in, in Revelation. And I swear, I didn't think I was going to make it through high school. I thought the Lord was going to come, which was great because I'm just like, study? Huh? Who needs to study, right? And then my parents stopped watching from then on. But uh, no, it, it, it appeared like it was, it, was, it was right there. It was right there. It turned out to be a Braxton Hicks, okay? And then Russia gets, you know, annihilated economically. And then, you know, what, and then, you know now they're back on the rise and all this kind of stuff. I have no clue when it's going down. But he's coming back. And it's so exciting. Because when he comes back, it's going to be like, I mean, we can't even begin to fathom. I mean, we can read and we can try to understand, but he's coming back. And he says, be ready. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I just want to kind of keep going on this. So then what happens is there's going to be this abomination of desolation. He talks about this in uh, verse 15. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee. Now listen. So what is the abomination of desolation? It's, re it's re represented in Daniel. I have no clue what it is. I don't know. I actually heard a person <laughs> I actually heard a person say, well, it's wordplay that the abomination is Obama nation, right? Okay? And, you know, because, you know, and I'm just like, what in the, what? Okay, and yeah, it's wordplay. Well, it was written in the Greek, knucklehead. It, didn't, it doesn't even rhyme in the Greek. It isn't wordplay in the Greek. Okay, and so, uh, you know, the Bible wasn't written for Americans. So we have to understand that. And, and so my point isn't what's this and what's that. My point is he's coming. 
And we're gonna see this and we're gonna know exactly what it is. And then it gets worse. Now, some people say we're gonna already be raptured by this time. Some people say we're gonna be raptured in the, that right when this ab- abomination, I can't even say it right now, abomination of desolation happens, then we're gonna be raptured. I have no clue. I wanna be, ra- I wanna be raptured early because I'm, I'm scared, you know? I, like, don't, I don't like pain, but I have, I, have no, I have no idea. So this is what happens. After the abomination of desolation, it gets worse, okay? It says this, um, and we're in verse 16, or let's, uh, yeah. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of his house. Let no one go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in the days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter. There'll be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days uh, will be shortened. And then he goes on, he says, so if someone tells you there's a Christ is here, the Christ is there, the Christ is there, you know, don't listen to him. Now watch, this is so awesome, guys, isn't this? It goes on, it says this in verse 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible, even in the west, listen, so will the coming of the Son of Man. Stop right there, go down to verse 30. At the time the sign uh, of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. Why will they mourn? Because they'll realize that we killed the Messiah, that he was truly the Messiah. He goes on, will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call to listen and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Man, he's coming. There's nothing you can do to stop it. There's nothing you can do to speed it up. He is coming, and it's going to be awesome. Revelation chapter 19 says he's going to come in the clouds with the angels and the saints, and he's going to have a blood-splattered garment, and he's going to have a sword in his hand, and everybody's going to know. Everybody's going to know. And whether you want to figure out that it's happening today or tomorrow or the next day, everybody's going to know. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he's coming. We might die before then like the disciples did. They're not around anymore. It's 2,000 years ago. They've, they've, they've moved on, <laughs> okay? Or, or, or it might be tomorrow. You say, well, how could it be tomorrow? I, I, I don't know. Nobody knows the time, and we're gonna kind of get into what this means for us practically. But nobody knows the time. But I'm telling you this. We're closer than we've ever been before. <laughs> it doesn't take an idiot to figure that out, Right? He is coming. And he's going to come in all his glory. And however you imagined it, it's going to be better. And so what I want to talk about this morning a little bit is how do we, okay, we, he's coming, but what does that mean for me? I mean, how does that affect me? I, I got tomorrow, I know he's coming, but could he come by Wednesday because I have a big report due and I don't want to have to do it, right? You know, I can, you know, I'd like him to come before my next sermon. That would be great, you know, but, but what does it mean to me? Well, I want to look at three things uh, very briefly as we kind of look at chapter 24, the Lamaze class that Jesus brings the disciples of what it's going to be like and, um, and see what we can learn from it. The first is that uh, we would leave, uh, have a life that's marked by alertness. Alertness. If you look up here to these scriptures, it says, watch out, 
that no one deceives you. In other words, stay alert. Even so, when you see, in verse 32, even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Verse 42, therefore, keep watch. Keep watch. Keep your eyes open for his coming. Because the thing is, guys, he's coming. You're not going to stop it. and You're not going to speed it up. He's coming. Now, what does it mean to, to, to keep watch? Well, to be honest, I think it is important to look at current events. I think it is important to kind of see what's going on and are we closer. You know, I, I don't think we should spend too much time in it because I, I don't know that it really brings too much life change. But listen, we are close. I mean, you could make a case that a lot of what needs to be fulfilled has been fulfilled. I mean, you got Israel as a nation. That was in 1948, and they thought, you know, for sure that was going to, you know, by the 60s, certainly he'd be here. But, hey, that's been fulfilled, right? You have a way for everybody on this planet to take a mark and to, for it to be tracked. I mean, I can you isn't it a trip? I can go to Europe, pull out my Visa card, buy a little Eiffel Tower, uh, and have it shipped to my house, and it shows up on my visa bill. That technology, that, I mean, think about it. We are close. I was thinking about the mark of the beast, because, you know, that's what you do as a pastor, you know. No, I'm kidding. I was just thinking about the mark of the beast, and I thought, you know, how bizarre that they give it a number 666, and like, wouldn't, personally for me, if I were the one trying to, like, get that going, I would stay as far away from that mark as possible so that I could get my agenda done. But then I started thinking, you know what's amazing? Where we're kind of turning in this like postmodern thought process, I could imagine somebody going, you know what? Let's make it 666 just to freak out all the Christians, <laughs> you know? Like I could see someone doing it in spite and then it fulfills the prophecy. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm just saying, okay? My point is, it's here. And, you know, I don't know if the euro is going to expand its borders and that'll be the world currency, but we could easily have a world currency. Easily, right now. You could make a case that we've already reached the world with the gospel. You could make that case. But if not, through the internet and through how the globe is shrinking, it's not too far off. And so we stay alert to go, man, I wonder if it's going to be you know, the United Nations. I wonder if it's going to be China will be the bear. You know, I want to stay alert, to keep our mind at the forefront that he's coming. It could be tomorrow. You say, well, what do you, what do you mean it could be tomorrow? Well, if we're raptured before the tribulation, maybe. Again, I, you know, I, my walnut-sized brain can't wrap my mind around it. When I read Revelation I don't know if the giant locust with fire spinning out, if those are helicopters with missiles or if God just whipped himself up some locust with fire coming out. I, I don't know. But I know he's coming. And so he, and he says, be alert. And this is throughout the New Testament. I don't have time to go through all the scriptures. But Paul, Peter, I mean, many books written, be alert, be on watch, be on guard. Now, why would they write that to that generation which is gone? Because there's something about being alert and keeping at the forefront of your mind that my Jesus is coming back that might have an impact on how I live my life. What would your life look like if you were alert? I'm not even going to answer the question. Think about it. 
If I were alert, if I was thinking about, is he coming tomorrow, what would my life look like? The second thing, oh, you know, I want to read a scripture real quick. If you'd pull out your bulletins, on the back of the bulletin is um, our mission statement. Um, and, and it has three things on there. Uh, 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 we will reach our neighborhood and the surrounding cities with the love of the Father. We'll restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son. And we'll respond to a move of the Spirit. That's what we're about here at Living Spring. And every ministry and everything else kind of falls in line with that mission statement. Under reach is a scripture verse. And this is why I want you to put your thumb in 2 Peter chapter 3. Here's the verse. 2 Peter 3, 9, this is what it says. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some count slowness. In other words, you think, man, he wrote to the disciples about be ready, you're going to flee, all this kind of stuff, and they all died, and what's, what's taking him so long? He's not up there going, oh, man, I forgot to come again. I missed it. That was... You know, Jesus, when was that? Oh, you missed it. You know, daylight savings time, right? It's not, he's not slow in keeping his promise as some count slowness. He is patient with you. Listen, this is so important, guys. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Part of what being alert might look like in your life is, if he came tomorrow, would my neighbor be ready? Would my boss be ready? Would the guy in the cubicle next to me be ready? Are you alert that it could happen tomorrow? Are you ready that it could happen in a week? Are you, are you paying attention? Am I paying attention as I go through the line at the store, as I go, that it could happen? And when it happens, there is no second chance. We're gonna talk about that next week. Please be here next week. It's gonna be, I mean, I'm, you know, it's hard to say when you're preaching, like, it's gonna be great. I mean, I'm really excited about next week. Let's just put it that way, okay? But to be alert might be to go, man, if it could happen any second, whew, okay? That's to be alert. Number two, uh, it's a life that's marked by readiness. Readiness. Verse 44 says, you also must be ready. Ready. What is a li- what does your life look like? We know when we uh, were having our baby, um, ready looked like something we our room the room was clean we got the um crib finally made uh, by hiring a professional and uh you know everything got painted and then we had bags packed at the door ready what what does ready look like in you you're ready for the lord's return how how are the rooms of the house how what would you pack in your life that you're going to bring with you because, you know, when, when, we, when we went to the hospital, I didn't have my remote <laughs> to the TV because they had one in the room. No, I'm kidding. Okay, I did, there's things we didn't pack because we knew what was happening. Are there things in your life you're, you're packing into your life that have nothing to do with his coming? Are there things in my life that I'm f- obsessing about and focusing on that, that have no, it doesn't make me ready at all? They're all about this world and nothing about his kingdom. Because when he comes, he establishes his kingdom and everything else is going to be burned up. Everything else is going to be laid waste, it says. So Jesus says, he says uh, in, uh, in verse 32, Now the lesson is learned from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, uh, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. 
I tell you the truth, this generation, meaning this people, will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. As we live our lives according to Scripture, according to His Word, according to His kingdom, we are ready for Him to come. Are you ready for Him? What would your life need to maybe change in order to become more ready? Is there a room that needs to be redone? Maybe you're spending too much time in there. Number three. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I want to read this real quick because we're in 2 Peter. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Okay? It's coming. Verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. I just want to speak doctrinally real quick. We're a free Methodist church. And so that means we believe you can lose your salvation. Okay? We believe that you can accept Christ, go along, and then lose it. Now, some of you might be going, oh, you know, I've always believed once saved, always saved. I'll clear it all up for you in a second. Okay? So, when I read a verse that says, Uh, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of of lawless men and fall from your secure position. I think to myself, is there anything in my life that's going to drive me away from my relationship with the Lord? Okay, so, but the question is, are you saved? Now, let's just forget it, background, and I say, hey, guess what? We're a Calvinist church. We believe that once saved, always saved. Here's my next statement to you. Are you saved? That's the question. This is what we're going to be going over next week. So whether you're Arminian or Calvin, it doesn't make any difference. The point is, are you ready for his return? Because guess what? He's coming. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. There's nothing you can do to speed it up. So what does your life look like to be ready? He's coming like a thief in the night. And Jesus goes on uh, in in, uh, verse 35 about, uh, Noah and all this kind of stuff that they had all this time to prepare and then the flood came. Are you ready? And then lastly, a uh, life that's marked by alertness, readiness, and lastly, life that's marked by faithfulness. And he says in 2 Peter 3.11, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? In other words, since he's coming, since there's nothing you can do about it, what kind of people ought you to be? The answer to that is faithful. You're to be Faithful. It says you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Now you say, well, speed its coming, so we can speed it up. No, you can't. Only a Heavenly Father knows the time. He's not like, oh, man, they're all acting godly. We better get the balloons done. You know, he, he knows, okay? He knows. And so, so, but he wants us to remain faithful. Now, what does it mean to speed its coming? Listen, right now, uh, Paul says that, uh, that knowing Christ gives us hope for this life and also for the life to come. So as we live lives that are, that are faithful here, we begin to experience things of eternity. We begin to experience peace that surpasses all comprehension. We begin to experience uh, a life that has less and less sin. In eternity, it will be perfected. There'll be no sin. In in this life, we begin to experience joy, even in in the midst of trials. And up there, there'll be no uh, uh, um, uh, tear shed. 
And so, so we, we speed is coming in the sense that we begin to experience what it's like when Christ returned because as Carlos so eloquently shared here about worship and just, man, we just want to experience who God is. But how do we do it? Faithfulness, holiness, godliness. We begin to live our lives as though we're in our glorified bodies. That's one of the parts of being an Arminian and believing you can lose your salvation, there's a, there's a real stress on holiness. You can't just say, I, I prayed a prayer once and move on with your life. And then, yeah, I prayed a prayer, I'm good to go. It doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, even a Calvinist would say, well, you were just never saved in the first place. That's why the argument gets kind of messed up. Okay? So it goes on. It says, as you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming... Listen, and then verse 15, did I put verse 15? Yeah, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul, this is so cool, Peter's talking about Paul right here. Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. Paul talks about this all the time. What, what, what does it look like? What, is, what would your life look like if you were alert and ready and faithful? That's how he wants you to be when he comes. Listen, I mean, think about it. If he's coming, why are we so caught up in the stuff that doesn't mean anything in eternity? Why are we so bent out of shape about this and that and who does this and who does that and I was hurt by this person. Why are we so caught up in that? He's coming. And just as we kind of prepared our lives and realized, well, vacations won't be the same and you know, my life won't be the same, whatever. Just as we began to, some of our lives need to become getting prepared for our, our Savior to come back. Because when I had my kid, man, it was awesome. It was way, way, way better than I had ever thought. And when Jesus comes back, whew, he's coming. It's going to be awesome. Look, as Carlos comes back up. I want to point you to one section of scripture that I'd love for you to read this week. Okay? It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11, and it covers this whole topic, and it's written by Peter's friend, Paul. And he's, when Peter says, hey, Paul's talked about this too. This is an example where Paul's talked about it. And if you're in a small group, on the back of your um, things, there's some small group questions that you can go over as you read this. But check this out, guys. This is, the, this is the kind of people we want to be. In Revelation at the end, in chapter 22, it says this. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And then John replies, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Can, can we be a people? Listen, if he was coming soon, 2,000 years ago, when John wrote this on the island of Patmos, and John was like, yes, Lord, come. Can we be a people who say, yes, come, Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. 